All right, BradCooney.com, I'd like to welcome in the chairman of the Mississippi Republican Party, Chairman Joe Nassif. Chairman, thanks so much for joining us tonight. Oh, man, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, it's been a minute, been a minute uh, since we've, uh, we've been chasing this interview down, so glad to have you on board tonight. I know you're a busy guy. Um, I guess the, the first thing I want to touch on is the uh, municipal elections in, in Mississippi. Uh, I want to give you an opportunity to talk about that. Just talk about the importance of this election coming up. Yeah, but the thing is with municipal elections, they're really easy to miss, to be honest. I mean, they, you know, they, they, um, they're over, uh, if you, if you were the kind of person that pays attention to the legislature and things like that, uh, by the time the legislative session is over, the qualified deadline has passed. So, you know, that's one big, uh, major kind of, uh, line in the sand if you're interested in actually running or being involved that way. And then by the time the first of June is over, the general elections passed. So people that, you know, a lot of people feel like their mayors and their aldermen, city council are the people that have more to do with their everyday lives than really almost any other elected officials. And for Republicans, it's kind of our last line of, 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 of uh, the, the final battle uh, lines or front lines. In other words, we still have these anomalies across the state where people, we have these districts where people vote 60 or 70 percent for Republicans for state and national office, but for some reason still vote Democrat for local office. And so we really want to try to find those places and, and put, you know, Republicans in where Republicans, uh, where Republicans need to be. You know, one of the things that I've noticed at the local elections, um, like you said, through mayors and aldermen, if you lined up a hundred people, I bet half might not even know which party that person is. Right. What? Right, and that's true. And I'll tell you, and I'll tell you, you're even truer than you probably realize because out of 280 municipalities in the state, about 160 of them are run. I think by either a majority or all independent aldermen or councilmen and a mayor. And so a lot of people do make this argument that, you know, potholes aren't Republican or Democrat, things like that. But here's our response to that, really, it's twofold. One, that's true, but a lot of times how to pay for those things are. You know, they do have to do with what people mm -hmm. think about uh, how to, you know, uh, philosophically how um they view taxes and things like that. But, but but even more importantly than that, Brad, a lot of times, you know, uh, the school, like Oxford, for example, the appointments to the school board and the decisions they make about the school system a lot of times are just as partisan as, mm -hmm. as anything. So, mm -hmm. you know, and quite frankly, from a, from a uh, party standpoint, the, the folks who are elected officials at the municipal level are kind of the bench. The, 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 the people who are the, uh, the people who will run for higher office later on, you know, the mayors and aldermen and some of these towns. So that's kind of from a partisan standpoint the reason why we are uh, selfishly interested in making sure people run as what they are if they believe they're Republican. Yes, yeah, very well said. And I would think someone who's a Christian and a conservative, they, they would probably prefer to live and vote for a mayor that's a Christian and a conservative. Well, that's right, and, and, and it's exactly right. A lot of times, you know, when these people switch parties, they'll say, you know, maybe what I do 70% uh, of the time isn't as partisan, but I was tired of making excuses for what my party believed mm. on a state or national level, and, and it's 
Right, right. Okay, so so a minute ago you mentioned about the um, the qual the qualification date. Can you talk about that? When is that? Right, the, the, the qualifying deadline really is about two weeks from now, March third, and then um, we have about two months where the uh, before the primary, uh, and that's I believe the primary is May the second. And then the general election is June the 6th. So it, it all moves really fast, particularly the qualifying deadline. And so right now, we've been kind of barnstorming the state, trying to raise awareness um, uh, of that and um, trying to get our candidates signed up. And talk a little bit about what some of the qualifications are for somebody who would be interested in running as a Republican in some of the municipal um, spots. Yeah, that's a good question. You know, there there are much less, um, uh, uh, you know, onerous than they would be for running for the, the legislature or running for, you know, certainly statewide office and things like that. You, I believe, um, if you're a most of the time, if you're a registered voter, if you've lived in the district for more than a year, you can you can run, which means somebody in their in their really early twenties can run. Um, somebody reached out to me. Today, uh, about running in the city, who I believe is 21 years old and is thinking about running for mayor. So it's, uh, you know, my father was the youngest mayor in the state when he was mayor of Clarksdale. He passed away at a young age at 35 when, when uh, I was six. He was a lot cooler guy than I am from what everybody tells me. But, but uh, he, you know, so I have uh, uh, a lot of memories of. Of the, you know, being in the mayor's office and, you know, even in a small town like Clarksville back then, it wasn't as, it didn't feel as small. And so, um, you know, I, I understand the significance of what it can mean to somebody's political career and what it can mean to somebody's constituents while they're in office. Um, talk about voter turnout. That's always a challenge on the national elections as well as locals a lot. What, what, what can we do in, in the state of Mississippi to improve voter turnout? Well, what, what you've hit on on municipal elections is one of the most um, significant aspects of it because of how um, few people vote. Mm -hmm. uh, sometimes not necessarily because of turnout, but just because of the size of the district. I mean, you have some of these towns like... You know, we were up in New Albany the other day. We were in Ackerman. We were in even even Oxford or Temple, whatever. You have these districts where, you know, it comes down to it, and you might have uh, a numbers that look like a student body senator election or something like that. Um, yep. But they're not because it's just not that many people in some of these districts. And then when you, when you shave it down for the people that actually turn out to vote, and then maybe you'll have a runoff. You know, so but you asked what we can do to uh, improve it or to make it as good as it can be, and and you know we will certainly keep raising awareness. And the more we have candidates that are excited about running and run robust campaigns, obviously the more people are going to get out to vote. So maybe I can be back on the show when we get closer to the actual primaries or general elections, and that could be a way we could help turn out. To Absolutely. We're more than welcoming you back. Um, one of the concerns I have, when I was watching the national election with President Trump um, versus Hillary Clinton, 
I notice the state of Georgia is slowly trending purple, um, and that's a little concerning. And I think if you're conservative in Mississippi, you need to pay attention to that. You're exactly right, Texas too. Yes, a lot lot of people, uh, you know, uh, uh, cited both of those states. I believe for President Trump, he was at least the polls had it. I can't remember what he finally won about, but the polls had him up in Georgia like two points uh, at one point. And, mm-hmm. and they, you know, uh, our friends, our Republican friends in Texas have been telling us on the Republican National Committee for years now, you know, you better watch it because we're, we are, when you, when you kind of mix up the demographics and how things change in the state of Texas, you know, we're going to have to work harder and harder. And quite frankly, um, even though we don't have the immediate acute problem that some of the states like they do have, we're going to have that problem in Mississippi as the demographics change. So that's why we're trying to make sure in places where people are running as something they're not, meaning if they run as a Democrat, then they're, they're you know, we want them to change parties. Um, we want to do that. And also, you know, to be honest, Brad, that the, the, um, you know, the Democrat primary is becoming kind of a scary place. I mean, if you look from a statewide standpoint for governor four years ago, uh, or really, I guess now it's 2011, it's, it's, uh, six years ago, uh, Bill Luckett, you know, from my hometown of Clarksville was not planning on waking up in the morning and getting beat by Johnny Dupree from Hattiesburg. That's true. Yeah. He was planning on running against Phil Bryant. And then if you look four years after that, 2015, the Democrats nominated somebody that didn't even vote for himself. You know, he's nominated <laughs> and didn't know he was running. And, and I say that not because he wasn't a nice fellow, but because, you know, Vicki Slater, who had put in a bunch of money and, and was the anointed trial lawyer nominee, um, didn't end up being the nominee. So, there are a lot of reasons for people to kind of be what they what they want to be, and and for us as a state to really um, try to get as many people you know to be because we can't we can't control things like demographic changes, but we can control making sure as many people vote Republican as as they actually believe the principles that we believe. Mm-hmm. Very well said. Now earlier I asked you about turnout, what we can do. Another concern I have. Is just the 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 younger generation being more involved um, in politics. Period. Um, I have some nieces and nephews that are, you know, in their, in their teens and upper teens, and you know, some of them are just completely clueless about about politics, and and it's their country, you know, it's, it's their country, and it's their generation coming up. So, what are some things you believe? Um, we can do to to get younger voters more involved, especially conservative voters, more involved in, in politics. Well, that's a big that's a big problem because it's funny. I, I went to a, an event last night and I commented to somebody on how I was one of the younger people there, and I'm I'm in forties, mm-hmm. and you know it's um, it is a problem, and. Uh, you know, one of the things that we have to do is get younger voters involved in campaigns. I mean, a lot of the times, you know, the reason people want to vote, obviously, is because they have a vested interest in who's running. And so getting them involved in campaigns, getting them involved 
uh, you know, working with teenage Republicans, we, we try to really put an emphasis on working with teenage Republicans, working with college Republicans, working with young Republicans, you know, 30, 35 and under. And we constantly do that, um, not enough, because we, you know, we obviously we have to prioritize things because there's not enough time today. But, but, but that is the key. I saw a poll not too long ago. Well, maybe it was about a year ago now, Brad. It said that they had interviewed uh, a group of young people. I believe 60 percent of them said that President Obama had done a bad job and they would vote for him again. Jeez. And what that told me was that they didn't view the Republican Party as an option. Exactly. You know, and, and so and so we, uh, whether it's any group of voters that haven't historically voted uh, Republican, and, and even though we're talking kind of more about general activity and involvement as a, as a party, selfishly, you know, we need to give those groups reason to know that we're an option, and that's one of the things we're trying to do as well. Good stuff. Okay, so before I move on to uh, get your thoughts on some national political um, issues. Was there anything else you wanted to touch on as far as you, the uh, municipal elections coming up? Not really, other than to just remind, you know, the deadline March 3rd is qualified deadline. If you have any questions about who's running in your area or how you might go about running in, what hope you could expect or, you know, realistically from the party or any of our officials, I would call our office at, at uh, 601 948 Okay, good stuff. Now, um, forgive me because I can't remember 100% where I read this, but did I read that you were actually promoted or, or given a new position with the Republican Party? Absolutely. Particularly now that we have a new uh, uh, chairman or chairwoman, and, and it's a you know it's a, it's a nice thing for Mississippi too. So it's uh, that just happened at the last meeting, and so you know we'll we'll, we'll see what that means and how much involvement I'll more involvement I'll have with that. Yeah, that's good stuff. So you really haven't had a chance to get your feet on the ground with that yet. But at least you got the Southeast that's Conference. Right. At least you got the Southeast that's Conference. Right. <laughs> that's right. That's right. That's exactly right. You know, one of the things I want to do pretty soon is to have a, because we've had these regional meetings in the past, um, is to have a regional meeting hosted here in Mississippi of, oh, of, of, the, of the southern states. And, uh, you know, hopefully we can get all of the, the bunch of people involved and really make a big deal out of it. But that's one of the things I'm kind of trying to work on now and, uh, uh, you know, give people a chance to uh, see some of the areas of our state and, and give the people in our state an area to get, you know, meet some of these other people that are leaders in other states. So that's uh, hopefully one of the things that ought to come out of that relatively soon. Awesome. Congratulations on that, by the way. Thank you. All right. So let's talk about our new president, um, President Trump. You know, he came to Mississippi multiple times throughout the campaign. 
Um, talk about Mississippi's role and how we played a part in getting him elected to the presidency. You know, uh, he came here three times. Right. Uh, you know, he came here, he came to the coast, he came to uh, to Madison, then he came back to Jackson and, and went to a fundraiser and went to um, another rally. And uh, it's funny, I've, I've got a picture where it looks like he's poking me in the chest and it looks like he's telling me I'm fired and I said it to his uh, I said it to his son uh, Don Jr. and I said look when things calm down it might be eight years from now but I said would you get your daddy to sign this for me and maybe write you're fired or something on it and he, he sent it back and he, I mean, he emailed me back and he laughed he said yeah I'll be happy to do that's that. great <laughs> the point is it was, it was pretty funny but the point is um, you're right he did come here and, and you know um uh, he had uh, a really good uh, relationship and has good relationship with our governor here. Um, he he raised a lot of money. It was funny how, not that I'm going to whine about the media bias, but, you know, Brian, I, I kept getting all these questions from my national reporter friends about why he was in Mississippi in August and Hillary Clinton spent two days in California. And I said, you know, it's the same reason Hillary's in California. He's here to to raise money, and 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 uh, which he did. He raised about a million and a half in an hour. Yeah. And I said, you know, that's pretty good for Mississippi. Quite frankly, it's pretty good for England. And I said, and on the way back to the airport, you know, which you know, it is on the way back to the airport from from uh, the Jackson Convention Center to uh, by the Coliseum. He stopped by the Coliseum and gave people who didn't have. $1,000 or $5,000 or 10000 to pay to go to the fundraiser, uh, you know, a chance to participate in the rally, which I thought was a pretty noble thing. Yeah, it was probably. great. It was great. I was there. So, yeah, so, and it was an exciting time, and, and um, but anyway, so I felt like, you know, people, uh, you know, they're going to find something wrong with anything. They never cover a plane that lands safely, obviously, and so they're going to, they're going to cover, you know, they're going to try to make a problem or something. But I was proud that he came to Mississippi three times, and I thought there was a good reason every time. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, the, the, the uh, rally that he had in Jackson after the fundraiser was loaded, loaded with, I mean, really Mayor Giuliani was there, and, and Nigel from, from the U.K., the Brexit yeah. man, and um, the, our, our, current, our current attorney general, Jeff Sessions, was there. Yeah, it was great. All right, so... You mentioned Governor Bryant before, who I admire. I just I don't even have the words to say how much I admire this man. He's a, just a fantastic governor. Um, I saw a photo with him. In the, I saw him a photo with him in the late uh, Supreme Court Justice Antonin Scalia. They were, I believe, they were maybe hog hunting, or but it was a it was a photo of them hunting together. And so I know the governor really, really admired him and was friends with him. And um, recently, President Trump nominated uh, Neil Gorsuch to fill his seat. So, what are your what are your thoughts on Judge Gorsuch in that selection? You know, um, I don't know Judge Gorsuch personally, but everything that I've heard about him, um, you know, it, uh, tells me that that people who are against him almost have to make up <laughs> a reason uh, yeah. to be against him. And, re and really, Brad, I, I, most of the reason that I hear from the Democrats I hear talk about, uh, talk about it on TV or that um, the Republicans didn't act on Obama's 
last minute nomination um, you know that he made when he was on the way out the door and you know I'm not a historian on Supreme Court appointments and and the timing of them and, and what's you know uh, uh, there is precedent for or not but uh, my understanding is it's certainly I mean it is uh, not as much precedent to nominate somebody um, when there is an election contest going on and the people are really going to make uh, a decision about which way they're going to go, uh, then they're, you know, so I, I don't think those two things have anything to do with each other, to be honest. Mm -hmm. and, and, uh, but, but I think people, you know, I think that he'll probably um, uh, have a little bit longer time than we would prefer, but he's going to get nominated. He's going to get confirmed. I think that this travel uh uh, you know, um, aspect restriction or whatever it's called, aspect of this immigration change that uh, President Trump is doing is going to play into the politics of it because I think some people believe if that went directly to the Supreme Court now, there'd be a 4-4 tie. Mm -hmm. And if it went, you know, to the Supreme Court after the President Trump had a, a, a new judge uh, nominated, then it would maybe be uh, 5-4, but who knows about that. As a lawyer, I know you really can't predict. A lot of people would not have predicted John Roberts would have voted the way he did on the Obamacare lawsuit. Oh, yeah, uh, wow. So, you know, <laughs> it's, you know, I don't know, I can't guess about that, but, but that's a long answer to your question, which is I think he's very qualified, and, and I hope he gets a hearing in a Senate vote soon. You know, um, so President Trump's been in there for roughly a month or so. Um, he's he's had a real struggle with the Democrats um, even voting on some of his cabinet picks. It's taken a lot longer than, than of course, I would like. Um, and also you mentioned before about the media. I, I don't think the president's getting a fair shake in a lot of cases with the media. We won't, we won't isolate anybody by name, but um, I wanted to share just, a, just an example of what I've noticed of unfairness to President Trump, and that was the recent headline that one of the news stations kept on putting up there that was saying, breaking news, Russian spy ship off the coast. Now, now here's the thing. Now, I'm a, I'm a Navy veteran, and I had a secret clearance, and this is back in the mid-'80s. And guess what? We tracked off our coast many times in the 1980s. Russian spy ships. <laughs> so when I see that, that's that's the fake news. That, that there's an example of fake news. It's not exactly fake news, but it's misleading. You know what I'm saying? Right. Sure. Well, first of all, thank you for your service. Thank, thank you. Uh, number one. Th number two. Um, uh, you know, Brad. I, I think the worst of all that I've seen in the last 30 days has been in the last couple of days, and that's been all the stuff with the uh, him supposedly not um, uh, uh, repudiating anti-Semitic uh, yeah. or anti-Semitism. I mean, he stood up there with Benjamin Netanyahu, and they had probably the most love-fest press conference <laughs> that I've ever seen. I mean, you know, uh, uh, Benjamin, Netanyahu, uh, you know, Benjamin Netanyahu went on and on about how supportive uh, President Trump was of Israel, and so did President Trump. He talked about how, you know, his 
son-in-law, Jared Kushner's Jewish, and his daughter. His daughter's Jewish. I mean, it, yeah, I mean, it's like, I don't understand, you know, I guess unless you say something, you know, unless you say something, then, then, it, then they just assume the opposite. I just thought that was a, I don't know if you call it fake news, made up news, whatever, but I just thought it came out of nowhere and yeah. leave it to the press, the Democrats, to overreach. I mean, you know, we, maybe we might make a, an unforced error or two. And, you know, I know a lot of these people that are working at the White House personally, and, and I told somebody yesterday, I was on a, a radio show, and I said, you know, I was in the Barber administration when we took over from Governor Musgrove, and you know, it took a lot for us to figure out what was going on just at the state level. I can't imagine, you know, if uh, you take over the presidency and you're trying to, to to start, you know, the ground running and you don't know where the bathroom is and you don't know what, you know, which way to, uh, how to get an outside line on the phone and all these other things. Yeah. So you're going to make a, a trip up here now. But on these big things, I, I think, you know, whether it's fake news, whether it's biased or what, you know, when he was touring the Holocaust Museum, or actually it wasn't the Holocaust Museum, it was the Civil Rights Museum, yeah. I think, or it was the, you know, uh, uh, the, uh, the part of the uh, museum or whatever it is in Washington, uh, uh, today they kept asking him about, you know, if he would repudiate anti-Semitic uh, statements and anti-Semitism, but he said, of course. And I just thought that was completely made up out of nowhere, really did. You know, the, the hypocrisy, the hypocrisy of the media on this subject we're talking about now, when President Obama, President Obama for eight years, basically That's spit right. in the face, he basically spit in the face of Netanyahu and, and Israel. Right. And where was the media? Yeah, I mean, I didn't even... yeah go ahead. No, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but that's such a good point. I yeah. didn't think about it. You're exactly right. I mean, the, the 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 only two countries our relationships really got better with was Iran and Cuba, mm -hmm. and everybody else. You know, he spent time uh, uh, making sure, even until the end, with that vote in the United Nations, to make sure he did what he could that was anti-Israel. Yeah, one more exactly thumb right. in the eye, yep. You know, and it, it was so hypocritical. That, that they're focusing on um, uh, some statement that they, and, and, and all these people on TV that are talking about it, some of them are even shamed into saying, well, I don't even really think he's anti-Semitic, but he hasn't said he's not, you know, which is which is really, um, uh, uh, really a shame. But you're exactly right. I mean, that's one of the best points of all, and it shows the hypocrisy of the press. Yeah, it's just terrible. Well, look, man, I really appreciate you coming on board tonight, talking some Mississippi politics and some national politics. Definitely want to have you back on board when we get a little bit closer or after the elections and before the primaries. Look, I've been wanting to come on for a long time. I appreciate your patience, and I enjoyed it as well. Okay, Chairman, I appreciate you joining me. Thank you.